told y'all I'm back, man. So y'all want to get into some of this this Kundalini talk? Let's talk about these coons, man. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna let y'all, all y'all who think I'm a coon, y'all get to ask me questions, and I will give y'all my best Kundalini response to tell you why I am a coon and why this coon does better than you in life. So. Proceed to fire away if you got any questions. You want to talk about how much of a coon I am because I don't automatically just jump up inside with the Negro delegation on every single issue. All right. What's up, Corey? We're here to talk about these coons, baby. You know what I'm saying? Before I got interrupted in my last video, you know what I'm saying? I was giving you all a lesson on the Butter Biscuit Brigade that I'm building because I think we need to raise more coons out here. And then I was kind of explaining the differences between house slaves and field slaves since everybody's like, ah, oh, gee, Dizzle, you're a house slave. But I was like, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, you're damn right I'm a house slave. Let's talk about the benefits of being in the house versus being in the field. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I had to, had to do those things, but, you know, so I'm affording y'all the opportunity. I highly doubt anybody's gonna come up here and ask questions. Cause someone was trying to talk about the case with me, I ain't even respond. Oh yeah, we coming with shirts, we coming with flags, we coming with everything, baby. It's gonna be a coon revolution out in these streets cause you know, here's the thing about coons. I don't know of any coons that get killed by the police. Where are all the coons at the, I mean, well, here, here, let me back that up. There are coons that, I believe George Floyd is a coon, right? Anytime you, you stick a, a pistol to a pregnant woman's stomach, you do something to inflict harm and or injury to another black person, I think you're a coon, right, by my definition. But that definition doesn't, is not applicable in greater black society. So I personally think George Floyd and damn near everybody else that became a hashtag, they, they're the true coons of the community, right? But being that we're going by everybody else's definition, we're just gonna, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna go by, you know, we're just gonna stick to everybody else's definition. So, I don't know of any coons that put themselves voluntarily put themselves in positions, consciously put themselves in positions, to become the next trending hashtag. I don't know of any so-called coons, right? All every every black person that y'all deem is not a coon, you know, unfortunately they become like, like the next trending hashtag because of whatever, whatever, the, <laughs> whatever the reason may be, right? Uh, what, what else about coons, man? Every coon that I know, right, that y'all believe it to be a coon, everybody that I know for the most part, you know, they're all living nice, man. They, they, they're out there being work, they're out there being productive human beings of society take care of their families, take care of themselves, trying to enjoy the fruits of whatever labors they're putting in, and just trying to live a quality life. You know what I mean? I don't know too many coons out there on the streets, you know, crying and whining about white supremacy every five seconds. You know, you want my opinion. White supremacy is good to coons. <laughs> I know y'all love to say white supremacy loves to break its tools and they're going to use up you coons. I don't know too many coons that get used up. You'll find a onesie and a twosie here and there, like 
like Stacy Dash or something like that. But for the most part, that's not the common, that's not the standard. That's not the standard. Most coons that I can think of, you know, the well-known ones, they don't really seem to be out here struggling, B. They seem to be out here making moves, doing things. You know, I just don't really see a lot of struggle from this. So it kind of befuddles me as to who's really losing as a coon out here. I mean, who's really losing? Is it the coons or is it everybody who wants to be down for the cause, down for the struggle, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, George Floyd, uh, he, he, he's, he, he got his angel wings. His family is multimillionaires now. Everybody's out there celebrating that Derek Chauvin's going to be spending a, a quite, quite a significant time in prison, right? Well, okay, after it's all said and done and we move on to the next news story, exactly what's going to change in your life? You understand? What actually changes in your life? That, that's the thing we got to sit here and analyze, right? Is your life going to go up? Is your overall, is, is this Derek Chauvin or George Floyd victory, is this, is this about to change your perspective? Is this about to prevent the cops from whooping on your ass if, if you become part of the 0.003%? Like what actually, what tangible benefit actually comes to you? You understand? Because, look, there's no tangible benefit that comes to me from it. You know, whether Chauvin got off or he was found guilty like he was, my life still rolls on, baby. My life still moves. I'm going to go lay my head down. And I, let's, let's, let's just say Derek Chauvin got off. I was going to go crawl up in my $8,000 bed and go sleep just fine. Derek Chauvin, he's going to be spending a long time in prison. I'm still going to crawl up in my $8,000 bed that adjusts up and down, thanks to this wonderful sleep number bed I got, and I'm going to sleep just like a baby. And I'm going to keep moving forward, doing the things that I need to do to get me and my family to the next level of whatever it is that we're trying to attain in our lives. I'm not going to be out there whining and crying about police brutality, systemic this, systemic that, because I personally don't really believe it. I used to believe it. I really don't believe it. I think more, there's more of a systemic issue with black folks mentality and always thinking that you're just a forever victim and every, everything and everybody's out to get you. When you can rarely, if ever, find any evidence to support that claim, especially as it directly relates to the masses who constantly say this. Like, like I keep telling y'all, I go on Facebook, right? I know all of these arty, smarty, educated Negroes with four-year degrees, master degrees. Some of them got PhDs. Some of them got jobs that make over six figures. Some of them got this. Some of them got that. They've been online since at least Trayvon Martin talking about police brutality this, police brutality that. Meanwhile, and racism and white supremacy that. Meanwhile, over at least the last 10 years or so, based upon me knowing them, a significant portion of these Negroes' income has gone up. Their lifestyle has increased. I don't really see the racism, the white supremacy that slowed any of these clowns down. A lot of them, you know, the educated ones, I don't know of any of them that went to jail. I can probably count on one hand how many of them probably got a speeding ticket over the last 10 years. But overall, based off of the pictures they show and, and, and the things they talk about on social media as far as their accomplishments, a lot of these Negroes seem to be doing wonderful out there. 
in comparison to a lot of white folks. <laughs> so I struggle to see it, you know what I'm saying? As I sit back and I put my kundalini glasses on, let me get some glasses too, as I put my kundalini butter biscuit glasses on, I struggle to see the validity in these woe is me complaints the older I get and the more I just sit back and just try to analyze things on social media from an objective standpoint instead of me just being highly emotional and subjective because I once was that person. I was that person at one point in my time in my life, but you know, at some point you just got to step back and just kind of look at things. Just look at the data, look at the numbers. It's like, are these complaints really, are we really crying about the 0.003%? That's like crying about how bleach doesn't kill 100% bacteria. and We're whining about the 0.001% of bacteria that's left over after you uh, wipe your counters down in bleach. It's like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> but, but, but nobody deserves to die. Nobody deserves to die. You know what? Some people do. Uh, you, know, who, who, you know, I got my feelings on that. Some people do deserve to, to get up out of here. You know what I'm saying? Some people do deserve to get bounced up out of here. You know, in particular, those who mess with the babies, they got to go. I ain't got no mercy for them. But when it comes to these other things, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know who deserves to go. All I know is when I look at these situations with these police, and some of these, these black folks that y'all go crazy over and promote to, to angels out there, they all share a similar uh, uh, background and story, man. Like I say, damn near every last one of them for the most part, the overwhelming majority, I should say, they all be doing stuff that, that you know is going to attract the attention of the police. Damn near every last one of them for the most part. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like everybody that I know that cries and complains about this stuff, these Negroes, to my knowledge, they never do anything to consciously and purposely attract the attention of the police, but then they'll sit around here and act like, that could be me. What do you mean that could be you? Are you out there passing out $20 bills when you go to the store? Are you out here running around, you know, pointing fake guns at people? Like, like, what do you mean that could be you? You're not engaged in activities like that person was engaged in that brought the attention of the police to them and now, unfortunately, they became the next trending hashtag. You know, like, like, like it, just, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. We can't jog anywhere. What the hell is you talking about? I see black folks jogging every single day around the way from where I live. Every day, B. Every day, right there on the same trail with white people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To my knowledge, the black folks that be jogging around where I live at, to my knowledge, they're not jogging in and out of houses under construction. In neighborhoods where you got nosy neighbors that actually be watching people that come in and out of houses under construction. So what I'm saying is, I don't buy into this, that could be me. No, it's not. It, listen. The chances of that, it, chances are, is never going to be me because I don't engage in activities like that to where that could be me. And damn near every last one of these people have a pattern, a consistent pattern of demonstrating that they are cool with doing things to invite the attention of the police. I don't invite the attention of the police. I don't, I don't do those things. I try not to do those things. I don't even like, I don't even be speeding that much anymore. Cause I don't want I don't want to deal with getting pulled over and getting a ticket. Ain't because I'm worried. Oh Lord, his eyes gonna get shot. No, I don't want to get shot in my wallet. 
<laughs> from a cop giving me a damn $100 ticket or whatever. You know what I'm saying? That's my biggest fear if I ever get pulled over by a cop is how much is the price of this ticket going to be? I ain't worried about getting shot because I ain't arguing with these people. I ain't rummaging through my car trying to, ain't doing all that crap. I already got my stuff ready. Here's my driver's license, my registration. Go run my information. I don't care. You ain't going to find nothing on me. I ain't got no warrants out there. I own this car. It's in my name. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? All my paperwork is legit. I'm just worried about, are you going to give me a warning or are you going to come back and give me a ticket? That's and how is this ticket going to affect my insurance? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How much is this ticket going to be? That's that's the only fears I have with the police is how much is the price of the ticket? That's it. So you saying he needed to die? Who needed to die? I ain't saying nobody needed to die. <laughs> I'm saying I ain't putting myself in positions to where I'm gonna be running around here talking about that could be me. I'm not out here passing out $20 bills, B, fake $20 bills. All the 20s that I got, whenever I do carry cash, they all real, as far as I know. <laughs> I give them straight out the ATM machine. I'm assuming that they're real. You know what I mean? Well, most of the time when I spend money, I use plastic anyway. I don't even carry cash like that, so I ain't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that because I'm not running around here passing out $20 bills, B, fake $20. The hell is that crawling in my backyard? I'm not out here doing that. So I ain't saying he deserved to die. He needed to die. I'm just saying I ain't, I'm not doing the things that brother was doing to get himself caught up. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I got, I got things I want to do that, that don't require unwanted attention from the police. You know what I mean? Like get back to my wife and kids because tonight's Taco Tuesday and I go in there and make me a damn taco. As soon as I get off the phone with y'all. I mean, I'm not doing that stuff. But like I say, even in the during the times I did get pulled over, like let me see, the last time I got pulled over and got a ticket. When was the last time? It was probably like 2012. So we're talking like nine years ago. I was I told y'all the story, I'll tell it again, in case y'all are new and don't know the story. So about 2012, I was riding my motorcycle on a country road in Georgia. So I came up to the stoplight, slowing down my bike, dropped it down the first gear so I can lean into the corner to make this right turn. So I hit the right turn. As soon as I got out the corner, I kicked my bike up into sixth gear. And this thing you know, I was go- I went from like five miles an hour to about 80 miles an hour in a matter of like three seconds or two seconds or something like that. So I'm zipping down the road Boom, just getting it just wide open with the bike, right, on this country road. So anyways, I'm hitting, I'm, 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 I'm just wide open hitting it, right? There's this, like, crest in the road, or this, like, dip in the road where I couldn't really see. Like, basically, I was, like, kind of like at the top of a hill, sort of, approaching the top of a hill. As soon as I get to the hill, this cop coming up the other way, and he sees me just blow past him. Boom! I was like, yep, he finna hit the lights on me. So sure enough, that joker hit them lights, hit that U-turn, and ran my ass down, right? So he caught up to me. I pulled my bike over. I was like, I could take this chance and outrun this dude and then run the risk of getting into a, a, an accident and killing myself or him catching up to me somehow and I'm going to jail. Well, I'm going to just take the L, B. So I pulled the bike over. 
he came up to me. He was like, why were you speeding? I was like, I don't know, man, you caught me. <laughs> like, it's a country road. I ain't think no cops is out here. I'm just trying to get it, B. So he went back to his car, ran my, ran my information, came back. Obviously, everything came back clean. Uh, he came back. That joker knocked the price of the ticket down. He was like, I'm only going to charge. He was like, I'm only going to give you a ticket for going 15 miles over the speed limit, right? When in reality, I was going about, let me see, by the time he had clocked me, I was probably over 100 miles an hour. So I was probably about 40 to 50 miles over the speed limit by the time he had clocked me, which means technically he could have arrested me and impounded my bike. But when he came up to ask me about it, I didn't get argumentative with the dude. I didn't get down there and start kissing his boots or nothing like that. I just told him, yo, you caught me. I was just, look, it's a Sunday. It was a Sunday or a Saturday. It's a Sunday. It's a Saturday. It's a country road. I'm on a bike. I was just trying to get it, man, just, just for a few seconds, and you caught me. And he was basically, he was like, you know, thank you for being honest. <laughs> and so he wrote me a ticket for going only 15 miles over the speed limit, which came out to be about, I think that ticket was like 150 bucks I had to pay as opposed to him putting me in jail and then impounding my bike and me having to go through all that crap. So I wasn't nervous about that, even though I was dead ass wrong and got caught. I just owned up to the fact that I got caught and was just like, yo, you caught me. Like, <laughs> ain't, no, ain't no sense in me out here fighting with you. We're on the country road. We're the only two people on this road in the backwoods in Georgia somewhere. And it was a white cop too, mind you. A white hillbilly Billy Bob cop, mind you. And I, was, I, was, uh, I wasn't close to the military base. I was kind of a little ways out. Because, you know, so, some of them, they just like to just get on my bike and just ride, right? But he, I got caught. But he knew what it was. I'm pretty sure he's seen a lot of us, a lot of bikers on that particular road just out there getting it. And I, it was just my turn to get caught that day. But when I got caught, I ain't sit there and argue, fuss, and fight. I ain't sit up there and be like, no, nah, I ain't got to tell you my name. I ain't got to do this. I just gave him my damn information because everything about me was legit and clean. But most importantly, I just own up to the fact, yo, I'm caught. <laughs> like, it is what it is. Whatever happens, happens. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to walk out of here breathing air because I'm not about to fight a dude with a damn pistol on him. Like, it's just not going to happen. So, you know, that's why I'm not going to be like these people, the majority of them. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not purposely going above and beyond to put myself in those positions the way I got to worry about a cop restraining me and putting the damn knee on my neck. I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm caught. If you're going to take me to jail, I'm going to turn around and let you put the cuffs on me, we're going to ride to jail. But, you know, he didn't do all that, so. Your hero, Chauvin. Who said he was my hero? I never was rooting for either one of them. <laughs> Go find a video where I was cheering for Chauvin. I ain't never cheered for him. I ain't cheer for George Floyd either. So he ain't my hero. It don't bother me. He going to jail. I ain't Derek Chauvin. I ain't the one who got to worry about being in prison for the next X amount of years. <laughs> I wasn't cheering for him or George. So I don't know how he my hero. I never once got on here. Go find a video of me saying that I stand with Derek Chauvin. I ain't never said that. I've said that I don't know who's guilty. I, I don't not guilty. I don't know who's right or who's wrong. Because you listen to the evidence. I don't think I don't think the prosecution proved their case that it was actually that me. I'm you know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I don't know what to believe. But I ain't never cheerleader for him. 
Matter of fact, when the video first came out, I was like, damn, that's crazy. It looked like he killed this dude. You know what I'm saying? I was one of the first, when the video first came out, I actually got it. My video's still up. You go watch it. My very first uh, George Floyd video, I think I actually said that in the video. But after listening to everything, I'm just like, because I watched the trial. I ain't going to say it, say it watched the entire thing, but I was, I'd be at work watching it on my phone. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't know if this guy actually got killed by that knee or not. I'm not really convinced that it was the knee that did it. I'm convinced that I'm leaning more towards, I think it was it had something to do with them drugs and his overall health. If, based off of what I heard, I'm just not totally convinced that it was that knee. But like I say, then again, I ain't got to be worried about it. I wasn't, part of, I wasn't part of the prosecution, the defense, the jury. I'm finna go to bed after I eat these tacos and go on about my life. I ain't got to worry about that crap. I ain't related to that dude. <laughs> so it is what it is. I think he was probably found guilty. Because I think I even said this. I think I, think I said he was probably going to get found guilty on, on at least third degree. I don't know how they pulled that second degree crap out of their ass. Because I'm like, I don't understand that one. But I thought he was at least going to get found guilty of third degree. But I think, but I also stated it was probably going to be because of societal pressure. <laughs> the threat of a looming full-blown riot. I think that had more of an impact on this decision than anything else, if you want my honest opinion. That's why. But the threat of Minneapolis going up in flames again. Because I, I think they gave, I think the jurors had access to the news. So you sitting here watching, matter of fact, I know they had access to it because one of the jurors, they had their cell phone. I think during the trial, one of them got like a text from, from their mama or something like that. And I think the judge had to sit there and was like, what are you doing? Or something like that happened. So they had access to the news, so they knew what was being said outside. So I'm of the firm belief, you want my opinion, I'm of the firm belief, they probably caved to the pressures of society, caved to the pressures of their names getting put out there and then people going to possibly threaten their houses and all that stuff. That's what I think actually went down. I can't prove it, but that's just my opinion of it. Because I don't see how you convict this dude off a of second-degree murder off of that. Especially because, like I said, you listen to the evidence. If you listen to the witnesses, you even got the black police chief, right? The black police chief who was the, uh, the, uh, the, the witness for the prosecution even admitted that Derek, uh, that the knee, that, that Derek's knee wasn't on his neck. This is a prosecution witness, the black dude, the black police chief, even said this on the stand. So it's like, you got a police chief who's black on the prosecution side testifying under oath that Shulman's knee wasn't a factor, wasn't on Derek's neck, I mean, uh, George's neck. It's like, <laughs> at this point, what do you believe? What do you believe at this point? It's like, okay. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how do you trump that? And then you factor in that this is how this man was actually trained according to his training regimen. It's like, I don't know what to believe. But regardless, I'm going to keep moving on with my life, B. So I'm not a, I'm not a Chauvin cheerleader. I'm not, a, I'm not a George Floyd cheerleader. I'm just a nigga that's like... I think I think the jury caved the peer to, to uh, BLM pressure. That's what I think. <sighs> Say 420 taco. To, oh yeah, today is 420. Uh, well, I don't smoke uh, the green, so I'm I'm good on that. 
I got some tacos. My wife made tacos. I just got home about 15 minutes ago or 20 minutes ago. He said, by that evidence, he's in it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like for real, son, you have a black police chief that is, an, that is a witness for the prosecution testifying that jo uh, uh, Derek's knee wasn't on George's neck. It's like, how do you top that evidence? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you, how do you come back from that? <laughs> so that's why I'm like, I don't think this dude actually did it. But somebody got to pay because we're, we're in full-blown BLM season. If people don't want their businesses burned, their city burned, somebody got to go to jail. I didn't think they was going to get them on all counts. I was like, nah, it's probably just going to be third degree. It's over with a hard ER for melanin incels. What the hell is that? I don't even know what that is. So, you know, that's that, I guess. But, you know, the lesson learned here, as far as the coon perspective is, right? Because, you know, we got to place this in its proper context. This is all about cooning, right? Coons, by you guys' definition, you're rarely ever going to find a coon who's going to wind up in that predicament to where he's going to become the next trending hashtag. That's, a, that's, that's even more rare than a black person being killed by a cop. Because, you know, a black person being killed by a cop is extremely rare. It's, it's, it's probably more, it's, it's, it's rare to the equivalent of a plane falling out of the sky once you actually sit down and crunch the numbers. That's how rare it is, right? But a coon being killed by a cop, oh, that's even more rare than anything. So you're really going to find that. So, you know, everybody says I'm a coon. Hey, it is what it is, baby. It is what it is. I'm not worried about my life being uh, prematurely terminated due to the hands of a cop. I'm not worried about that, baby. Because I'm not out here doing crap to invite the intention. I go to work, I come home, and I pay my bills and go to sleep. That's what I do. <laughs> Occasionally I take a vacation, hang out with the wife and kids. That's what I do. I ain't out there cutting up in the streets. I ain't out here doing this. I ain't out here doing that. I ain't doing Even when I was young and I was out there in the streets, I wasn't doing crazy shit like that. So I ain't worried about it. I ain't scared of no cops. I'm tired of, I'm tired of people getting on TV talking about black people. We scared. I ain't scared. I need somebody with some, some serious fame to go on TV and say, I ain't scared of the police. But, you know, you can't do that because, uh, you know, you'll get, you'll get canceled if you do that. But we need somebody who got fame like, like, like uh, LeBron, a big massive social media following and fame. Need somebody to go up there and say you ain't scared of the police because you ain't doing nothing wrong. Because the truth of the matter is, most of y'all ain't doing nothing wrong. If most of y'all were doing something wrong, shit, it'd be about a thousand hashtags a year with y'all. <laughs> it'd be about a thousand, ten thousand hashtags every single year. But it ain't like that, B. That's right. I'm Captain Coon, baby. That's right. I'm bringing Captain Coon back out on you niggas. That's right. Kundalini. Titan of the tap dancers. I'm bringing all them classic names back. Because y'all ridiculous. Running around here acting like it's a victory for black folks that Chauvin is in jail. 
How's that a victory for y'all? How's that a victory for me? What do I win? Is George Floyd, are they going to give me some of that money that their family won from the GoFundMe and the lawsuit? How's that a victory for me? <laughs> what, what changed in my life? You know what I'm saying? Say Sub Zero's live this morning really opened my eyes to where they're getting this narrative. Method Man said he didn't necessarily have a problem with the police. Most black people don't have problems with the police, man. I mean, it's just, it's, just, it's literally just a flat out lie. It's literally just a flat out lie to keep the masses in their fields so they can vote Democrat and, and do all this dumb crap. It's literally a lie. Most of y'all don't have problems with the police because most of y'all ain't out, you know, most of y'all just ain't out there doing crap. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get tired of hearing this argument about the, the uh, black peoples be going to jail. I, who? I ain't never been arrested a day in my life. Never. I've been, in place, I've been placed in handcuffs once, but I didn't get arrested. They just put the cuffs on me to scare me. That happened when I was like 13. I'm, I'm about 14 years old. Then they called my mama and she came and got me. <laughs> They didn't even take me nowhere. They just set me on the side of the sidewalk, me and a couple of friends, and we were doing some dumb crap that attracted the attention of the police. <laughs> but that was it. That was my, my one and only encounter with, putting, with uh, handcuffs being put on me. But it's just a lie, man. Most of y'all ain't doing nothing. Most of y'all come home and listen to these damn YouTube videos. <laughs> That's what most of y'all do. Most of y'all go to work, come home and listen to some damn YouTube videos and pretend like it's a war going on outside. It's a war going on in your brain about this imaginary fantasy you've created. Listen to these pro-blacks and these social justice warriors. Most people online doing all this yipping and yapping are at home yipping and yapping. That's where they at. They're at home, they go to work and come home and yip and yap about how wild and crazy it is. Even though in their own personal lives, they're not, they're not out here doing those things that these other people are doing that turn them into hashtags. That's the reality, y'all, if you've never noticed. Just look at your friends on your timeline. They'll be all, we's being hunted. All right, look at them. Analyze their life. Are they out here passing out fake $20 bills? Are they out here pointing fake guns at people? Are they out here you know, selling loose cigarettes after you the cops been called on you 20 damn times to stop selling loose cigarettes? Are they out here robbing corner stores and then when the cops show up, something happens and you get killed? Like, what are we talking about here? Most, most of them ain't doing nothing. Most of them go to work, pick up their kids, go to the gym, come home, and then get on social media from the comfort of their bedroom or their living room and whine about how wild and crazy it is, even though None of that actually exists in their real life. Like, next time you go outside, right, you're driving down the street, just count how many black folks you see being roughed up and smacked around by the police. Even, I'm talking about drive through, drive through the deepest hoods in your area, the scariest hoods in your area, and just, just, do, just, just pay attention to how many times you see cops out there smacking niggas upside the head for no reason. You probably ain't going to see that many interactions. <laughs> you're probably going to have to be out there on a stakeout for about about a couple of weeks before you get some good action. That's the reality. It's all a lie, man. It's all a lie driven to make money. 
Because the longer you watch the news, the more commercials they run and the more money they get to pay Don Lemon and them. And the more they get to get you in your field so you can donate money and start marching and protesting so you can put the leaders of BLM in a position where they can go out there and buy uh, $3.4 million worth of houses across two states. Three in Cali, one in Georgia, and the one in Georgia has an airplane hangar on it with an indoor pool. That's what this is about. It's about, it's about money. Because now they're going to keep coming out with more TV shows. Showing, I seen this. I seen this little preview. My homeboy sent me through Facebook Messenger. It had Sanaa Lathan in it, and it had old buddy that played that plays the lead role in Snowfall. So he, the, the old buddy, what's his name? Idris, Idris something. I can't remember what his name is, but the lead, the lead actor in Snowfall. He's playing Sanaa Lathan's son in this. I guess it's a movie or a, ep- a preview to an episode. I don't know what the hell it was. But anyways, they're sitting in this restaurant. And there's a cop in the restaurant. And the son squirts some, yeah, Elba. And the son, the son squirts some ketchup on his shirt, right? And then all of a sudden, Sanaa Lathan has like this flashback, like, like she had this vision of him being shot by a cop. And then she got this camcorder in her hand. And then something happens, right? Where it's like the camcorder is like a magical camcorder that rewinds time. Or I, don't know, I couldn't really figure out what the hell was going on with the plot, right? Based off of this like two minute clip I was watching. But anyways, during the end of the clip, she's walking her son to the college campus. Then all of a sudden, this white cop come up. Matter of fact, it's the same white cop that played in the TV show Life, uh, for Life, that you know that Fifty Cent show about the, the dude that goes to jail. It was the fat white cop who who played in that show. He's playing the cop in this show, right? And all of a sudden, Sanaa Lathan and, and the son they're walking to uh, on college campus. And all of a sudden, this this white cop just out of nowhere comes and pulls a gun on him. What are you doing here? What are you, put your hands up. Then all of a sudden, all these black folks come out of nowhere. Everybody got cameras. And then the cop's still aiming the gun. And then Sanaa Lathan's like, you're going to, she, she turns to her son. She says, you're going to walk through those doors and go, to, and, and, and go register for class or something like that. You know, the whole time ain't no father in the picture. It's just, it's just her and the son, right? And so I'm looking at this like, oh, God, we're about to get bombarded for the next 10 years with, with woe is me. Police is hunting us. We can't jog. We can't do nothing. That, that's that's going to be the mood, y'all. That's going to be the vibe. You remember the vibe in the 90s was we got bombarded with gangster movies, boys in the hood, menace to society. And, and there was a TV show that came out called uh, South Central. Y'all remember that with Lorenz Tate? It lasted like one season, like eight episodes or something like that. But uh, basically, we got bombarded with that in the early 90s. And then in the latter part of the 90s, we got bombarded with like these cheesy love story, sappy love story type of movies like Love and Basketball, Love Jones, The Best Man. You know, that kind of carried us off into like the early 2000s for the most part. And then right around sometime in the early 2000s after that, like right around 2005-ish is when Tyler Perry took over. Then we got hit with Medea-esque style movies and these this Looney Tunes crap. Now, here we are, we're in the era of filmmaking and TV shows where it's just black trauma, slave, the white man whooping on us, the cops is out to get us. That's like going to be every TV show and every movie from here on out for, for at least the next five to ten years because this is what makes money. Black trauma is big money. And y'all, y'all don't even see it. Y'all are so... Y'all are so 
encapsulated and are so blinded by this the white man coming to get me, even though in your own real life, none of that crap is even happening. Ain't no white person running up to you calling you the N-word. All y'all got jobs. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody trying to get you fired or whatever. All y'all still got jobs <laughs> for the most part. Um, ain't, nobody, ain't nobody out here saying you can't do this, you can't go here, colored only this. Ain't nobody doing that crap. And you say you got the .003% where something bad does happen to them. But like I say, nine times out of ten with the .003%, these dudes and or women, they do stuff to invite the attention of the police. Most of y'all aren't out there inviting the attention of the police. So I don't see what y'all sitting around here acting like you're going to be next. No, the numbers, the data says you got a 99.997% chance of you not ever experiencing this crap because you ain't out there doing crazy, stupid stuff to attract the attention of the police. That's, that's, that's how this works, man. But being that y'all have bought into the lie, y'all have bought into this, we so oppressed, and listen, don't even get me started again on all you clowns that are like 40 years and younger or 35 and younger. I don't believe your racism cries. I really don't. You guys growing up, you, you got access to the entire world through the hand, through, through, through your freaking smartphones. I don't want to hear about your struggles. I really don't. You got access to so much crap to get your life going in 50, 11 different directions if you want to. But you choose to sit around here and create these fantasies off of tweets you see about how bad it is. And you listen to these pasty liberals feed you this garbage, even though these pasty liberals don't give a damn about you. These pasty liberals will probably be some of the first people to call the cops on your ass. <laughs> I mean, do we got to do we got to go back to the bird watcher? Remember the bird watcher epi uh, thing that happened in Central Park last summer? With the lady out there walking the dog and she came across a dude with the, with the, w w that was out there watching the birds. How much you want to bet that, that white chick was a, was a pasty liberal? Because New York City is full of pasty liberals. Guess what? She threatened to call the cops on that black dude, right? Even though, in my opinion, she was kind of justified in saying that because you don't come up to a random person talking about you're going to do something to their dog. It's like, hold up, what you mean you're going to do something? I would have called the cops and whooped that nigga ass too. Because <laughs> I don't know you, but whatever. That's, a, that's, a, that's another video for another day. But the point is, I guarantee she was a pasty liberal. And I guarantee she was probably, before that encounter, she was probably a pasty liberal running around here talking about how black people got it so hard. Oh, we need to do away with the system. Black lives matter. Till she ran up on a black man. And all of a sudden she got spooked and now she's like, I'm going to call the police. Wait a second, chick. You mean the same system that you say is killing me? You finna turn around and use them against me? That's how pasty liberals operate. And y'all buy into this crap. Y'all buy into this crap. Over and over again. You know what I'm saying? That's, you reposting what? Oh, well, go ahead, do your thing, black. I don't care. But, you know, that's, that's how this works. So we finna be getting bombarded with this crap for the next 10 years with a bunch of white folks who want to be a, who want to be your father, who want to be a, be, they want to be a, your, your freaking mother and father and all this crap because they feel sorry for you. They want to wash your feet like they did. Like, look at all the white folks that was washing black people's feet last summer. Y'all go back a couple videos. I showed y'all the pictures. 
happened last summer. Them the same type of white folks that will call the cops on you with the quickness. New York City is one of the most democratic, liberal cities probably on the face of the planet. That in San Francisco. These places have extreme amounts of racism up there. But everybody's a liberal. Everybody's a liberal. <laughs> Liberals love black people. But how come their schools is like so heavily segregated? Go, go to these liberals, go to a lot of these liberal enclaves, right? These are some of the most segregated schools in America. You got a lot of these liberals, man. They'll do anything and everything they can to keep their child up out of a school that's predominantly black. But they care about black people. We here for you. That was wrong what they did to George Floyd. Man, they'll be, they would have been the main ones calling the cops on George Floyd. They would have been the first ones if they had the opportunity. If, if George Floyd approached them in a, in a, if George Floyd just looked at them the wrong way or said boo, they would have had that phone 911 on speed dial with the quickness. That's what they do. But y'all fall for it. Y'all fall for it every single time, man. Every time. So that's why I coon, because, you know, when you, when, you, when you start cooning out like me, it's like you remove, you lift the veil. And look, I'm using that as a, as a on purpose, right? You're lifting the veil. So for those of y'all don't know, I went to Tuskegee University down in Alabama, started by Booker T. Washington, right in front of the Kellogg Center, which is the hotel slash conference room. As soon as you come through the front gate, there's a statue of George. Uh, there's a statue right across it. And there's a, sta- uh, a statue of George, uh, not George Washington, uh, uh, just went, uh, Booker T. Washington lifting a veil off of a slave. It's called Lifting the Veil. As a matter of fact, that was the name of his book, right? Y'all know how many people thought George Washington Carver was a coon back in his day? See, everybody thought he was a coon back in the day. You know, W.E.B. DuBose, he, he ain't like George Washington Carver. And the things that he did back in the day would classify him as a coon because he was out here trying to work with white folks, trying to get money. Oh, well, hold on, let me get that. Well, he was out here giving all these speeches, running around doing all this crazy crap, um, even though he, he supported black folks trying to do for themselves, but he recognized we can only go so far with this. So he leaned heavily upon white benefactors to help get Tuskegee up and running. As a matter of fact, the guy that started Hampton University was started by a white, I want to say a white ex-Confederate general, if I'm not mistaken, or some ex-Confederate officer, I think Hampton University is named after, right? Because, you know, most HBCUs are named after white people, in case y'all didn't know that. But uh, anyway, that's who Hampton was named after. But he became like a benefactor towards George uh, uh, Booker T. Washington to help him finance the school, Tuskegee, and get it up and running. An ex-Confederate military officer, y'all. (laughs) <laughs> of all people. So that would, that would be, you know, that, that would place him in the in George, uh, Booker T. Washington in the Kundalini category as well. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's why yeah, I said Booker T. I, yeah, I was confusing it because what it is, I'm confusing because on, on campus there's the George Washington Carver Museum and George Washington Carver actually had like his own little peanut laboratory thing going on out there. So I was confusing the two. But it's Booker T. Washington. So, my bad, but they both were there, but whatever. But um, regardless, he would be a coon by today's standards. So, anyways, when I put the, when I put the kundalini, you know, we, when you become a full-blown coon, it's like lifting the veil, right? 
You're lifting the veil of all this ignorance. That's what the veil signifies, lifting all this ignorance up off you. And so right now, there's a, there's a big veil on black society where it's just uh, an abundance of ignorance out there. Willful ignorance and, and, and whatever the opposite word of non-willful ignorance is. But it's just a bunch of it, willful, it's just a bunch of ignorance out there that has a lot of y'all just believing and internalizing all these irrational boogeyman fears about white folks and cops that is not supported by data. It's not supported, I mean, it's just literally not. It's just literally not. Unless, unless you're out there actively engaged in activities that are known to attract the attention of the police, right? <laughs> How many of y'all out there actively engaged? Or even if you are engaged, how many of y'all in a position to where you're letting your business be known what you're doing? You haven't mastered the art of keeping things on the low. You see what I'm saying? Even if you are doing some crazy crap, learn how to keep it on the low as best you can. Everybody ain't got to know your business, man. Everybody ain't got to know it. But this is, uh, this is what happens, B. You put the coon goggles on, you start to see things a little bit clearer because you're like, it's really not like how people think it is. Especially like, like I keep saying, damn it, every black, productive black person that I know running around here pretending like they're victims. Like I, I got a family member right now, right? Family member. This person told me he had a gun pulled on him four times in his life. Uh, one was by a cop and three were by black people. Right. And this person is running around here acting like his fear of being killed by a cop is greater than his fear of being killed by a black person. So I'm looking at this family member. I'm like, wait a second. So you mean to tell me you had a gun pointed in your face four times, but three of those times were by black people and one was by a cop. But you have a fear of the uh, you have a bigger fear of the cop that you have of the three black people who pointed guns in your face. 75% of the guns pointing in your face came by black folks, but you scared, but you terrified of the 25% that came from the cop. Like, how does that even make sense? How do you just ignore the three random black people who put a gun in your face? And luckily you're, you're still here to breathe, but you, <laughs> but you're just focusing on the one. It's like, that don't even make sense, man. But that's how, that's how Negroes do. And we're seeing it play out now. Everybody's talking about George. It wasn't that just a little girl killed at a McDonald's recently? <laughs> I don't even know her name. That's a shame. I, I don't even know her name. I don't hear nobody talking about it. Nothing. You know what I'm saying? And guess what? She probably ain't going to become a trending hashtag. Nobody's going to be saying her name because it happens all the time. It's just like, it's just like car accidents and, and, uh, and, and plane accidents. The reason why when a plane falls out the sky and crashes and it becomes big news is because it rarely ever happens. Things that rarely ever happen that kill people always become big news. Things that routinely happen that kill people, they rarely become big news. You go out, how many, just, just, just turn on your local TV, it's probably about five or six car accidents in your city today. Maybe one or two will turn into a fatality you'll get like a 30 second blip on the news about it. Let a plane fall out the sky, it's gonna be all over every major cable news network across the country. But do you know how many planes are flying in the sky at any given moment in American airspace? 
They say it's anywhere between like five to 10,000 planes in the sky at any given moment in, in, in uh, flying around the world at any moment that are in the air right now. As soon as one of them falls up the sky, is national news. Why? Because it rarely ever happens. It's the same way with, uh, with uh, cops killing black folks. In comparison to the number of interactions cops have with black people, when a black person dies, that is literally a rare event. That's why it becomes a trending hashtag. But all the other things that affect the community, you know, black on black crime, that's what the schools talk about. That says you got an astronomically higher chance of getting killed by a car in a car accident or um, getting killed by a black, you know, just like getting killed by a black person. As a matter of fact, I was driving home from work, I almost hit a dude with my car. I didn't even see him. I'm like driving down the street. He got on all black. I didn't see him till like maybe about, I don't know, four seconds before. I was like, what the hell? I could have ran this dude over. He would have been all up in my damn windshield. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that wouldn't have made the news if I had to hit this dude. You know what I mean? Luckily, I didn't, because shit, <laughs> he was about to be all up in my windshield. He just casually strolling across the street like a busy intersection. It's like, what are you doing, dude? And you got on all black, and you walking in the area of the street that really didn't have like a whole lot of light, too? Like, son, what are you doing? Is Tyler Perry a sellout? for not moving his studio out of Georgia because of their voting laws. Why would he be his sellout? You know how much money he paid for them damn studios? He bought like half of Fort McPherson. That was a part of his studios is on an old military base out there. You know how much money it's going to cost for him to relocate his studios to another? And plus, like, ain't nobody doing all that crap. You know how many people he employs that work at them studios from actors to the people who cut the grass and maintain the property and do admin work, it ain't worth the, the cost benefit ain't worth it, bro, to pack up and move his move up, move shop. You probably, Tyler, Perry, Tyler Perry probably employs over 100 damn people out there, man. It ain't worth the, uh, the money to move. Have you ever thought <clears throat> have you ever thought about going into black schools to teach black youth? I thought about it. I thought about trying to um, figure out a way to, I mean, that was initially, initially that was actually one of my goals was to try to figure out, set up some type of IT program to teach black kids about IT. Um, I, I legit have no idea how to even set that up. Somebody told me I need to apply for some grants. I don't know how to write a grant to save my life. I don't, I, I don't know, man. I don't even know how I would go about doing that. So, that's that's one part that's preventing me from even contemplating that. The other part is, will I even get support for it? I mean, would I really get support for it? Because look, listen. I mean, IT is not is not as it's not fun like playing basketball, playing football, playing sports, trying to pursue a career in entertainment. You got to do a lot of reading. You got to do a lot of studying. You know. I'm not saying that these kids aren't interested in the stuff. I'm just saying, and listen, I'm not even trying to put this on the kids. I'm not, I don't know how much support I would get from the parents. Like, cause you know, we're talking about going to the black community. Well, you know, most black communities for the most part, the hood, you know, they're dominated by single mamas out there. So I just don't know how much support I would actually get from these single mamas <laughs> to send their boys and or girls 
to learn a skill set that can get them, you know, on, into a career field that's in demand. I just don't know. Cause, and, I'm not, and I'm not saying this because I'm, you know, I'm scared. I'm just saying because I've heard other people try this. Matter of fact, I don't know if Nick Taylor is Nick in the comments. I don't know if he is. I thought I, thought I saw him in here earlier. But Nick Taylor, he tried. Hey, what up, Clutch? I didn't even see you. Oh, yeah, Nick's up in here somewhere. But remember, Nick tried this. Nick, he, um, he tried some program where he was like, he was going to teach kids about auto mechanic shop work or fixing on cars or something like that. I don't know. And he said he was going to teach it for free. And he said, he, he said, I guess, I think he went out there and advertised and promoted to like black kids. And he was like, he couldn't get one black kid to show up. You know what I'm saying? Even though he was willing to volunteer his time, try to mentor and school these kids, teach them a real skill. <clears throat> he said something to the effect that he couldn't get no black kids to show up. I think he had like a white kid or a Hispanic kid show up or something like that. So it's like, I think about that stuff, but I, I'm just realistic with you. I don't know how effective it would be, man. I don't know if it would be a waste of my time and energy because, you know, that, you know it's going to take a lot of my time, energy, and money. And I was like, is it really worth it to pump to try to get something started like that for a group that's there's just a high chance they're not interested in it <laughs> because it's not, you know, it's, it's just not something that's just going to turn you into a, a, a neighborhood superstar. You know what I mean? I mean, everybody says they'll support it. They'll support it. Of course you'll support it. Embrace your curls. <laughs> of course you'll support it. You like skin. You're supposed to support it. Now, of course, everybody, everybody says that, but when it's actually time to put the, you know, you know, put your money where your mouth is and actually do it, look, we'd be hard-pressed to find it. I mean, because what I teach and what, I, you know, what, I, what I'm good at teaching or whatever is it relates to entry-level IT, you know, <laughs> it's not, it's just not really that, it, it requires a lot of mental power, man. You got to really learn this stuff. I'm not saying that the kids can't learn it. I just, I'm just more concerned about are the parents going to be supportive of their kids learning it is what I'm concerned about. I'm not concerned about the babies because the babies, they're going to be babies. They're kids. That's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be all over the place, right? It's the parents. You know what I mean? Do the parents see the importance in it? And are they willing to, quote, unquote, lend me their kids to get their kids educated out in these streets so that they can grow up? and effectively compete against their white, Hispanic, and Asian counterparts that are learning this stuff at a young age. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Like I said, I would love to do it. I just don't know. I don't know how it would be. I don't know how, what kind of support I would be able to drum up from it. I don't know. But aside from that, I don't even know how to go about even starting something like that, to be honest with you. So I just stick to doing it on YouTube. <laughs> I just do it on YouTube. Hopefully they'll find my videos. Who knows? Somebody say it's about some tax breaks. Yeah. I mean, like I say, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, something cool. I think it's cool. It's because, because of the earning potential that exists. Like, the stuff I teach these kids, I'm, just, I'm talking like I'm teaching them. The stuff I could teach these kids is stuff that they could bypass college, man, not even have to worry about student loan debt and all that crazy crap. They come straight out of high school and or whatever and just 
jump straight into the workforce and get it popping out of these streets. By the time they're like 22, 23, probably be making, <laughs> on the road to making six figures, you know what I'm saying, without, without a damn college degree. But it's hard to, it's hard to get people to see that. Because some of the adults I deal with, you know, when I teach at night school or whatever, or there's no night training, night school thing I do, some of them don't even really understand it, you know what I mean? They, they be struggling to see it. Uh -oh. I almost pulled my damn thing up, my, my earbuds up my phone. Hold on. So, I don't know. Would you recommend a young person to start a career on YouTube? Uh, sure. I mean, it depends on what they want to do. You can make money off of it. I'm not opposed to that. My son got a YouTube channel. He got, he got a few hundred subs. All he does is uh, post videos of him uh, playing video games. As soon as he can uh, qualify to get his channel monetized, he's going to start monetizing it. I'm going to take all his money and put it in a bank account for him or some type of uh, CD or do something with his money so we can you know, give him, give him a portion of that money so he can go blow it on kid stuff, but... Yeah, I don't I don't mind that. You can make you can make a lot of money off YouTube. I'm not opposed to that at all. You know what I mean? Sure. It's it's a, it's a vehicle to make money. So if a kid got a legit talent that's monetizable and they want their parents approve of it, I'm all with it. As long as it's nothing crazy. They didn't even know what to do with those six figures when they start making it. Black people don't talk finances. Yeah, that's true. I didn't really have financial conversations with my parents either growing up. Um, I'm having them now. I've had more conversations with my own kids. I need to have more. <laughs> but I didn't really learn about finances until I was in my early 20s, and I was and I had messed up my credit. <laughs> and I was broke. And I was like, hey, maybe I need to start learning about this money thing a little bit more because I never had those conversations growing up either. So trying to change that with my kids a little bit. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going as hard as I should, though. But yeah, that's what we need to do, man. We got to, you know, you got to get focused, man. You got to, you know, get focused on your future, your skills, your education, your finances. I'll tell you, man, once you start putting, like, real focus into that stuff, where you're going, like, balls to the walls with it, you know, trying to chase whatever goals you got, I find it hard to believe you got time to focus on racism 24-7 with the white man doing Because, you know, once you start securing some victories, like you save some money up, you save 1000 you save 10000 or you flip a house, or you make some sales off of whatever product you're selling, or whatever course you're selling. I literally just find it hard to believe you got time and energy to be thinking about what white folks is doing. Think about how racist they're going to be. Unless they are purposely trying to do something to shut your business down, just off the strength that you black and you can prove it, that's something different. But, but I, think, I don't think most people can prove that. I think most people... If they let's just say they start a business and it fails and then they start talking about the white man, it's like, is it really the white man or do you just suck as a business person and you lost to the white man because the white man outmaneuvered you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we really got to pull the Carfax report here instead of just running to racism every it's, it's the it's the the easy, cheesy get out of jail free card, man. 
You know what I'm saying? Because nobody's ever going to question you, especially in this climate. Oh, be black. It must be racist. He said it racist. Nobody's ever going to doubt you or look at you side eyes. It's just an automatic BS pass is all it is for most people. But like I say, I'm of the firm belief, if you got something serious going on in your life and you're focused on trying to achieve a goal, I just don't believe you got time to be sitting around here thinking about if you're going to get killed by a cop. <laughs> I just don't think so. Oh, we're talking about some coon stuff, man. I'm out, here, I'm out here representing for the coons tonight, man. I'm out here telling y'all how to be a coon and be effective in, in life. But I don't think you got that kind of time and energy, man. I just don't think it's possible because if you're serious about your business, you're serious about your education, you're serious about your career, you're serious about your skill sets that you're trying to get, whatever it is you're doing, you're doing how do you have time to sit around here and worry about if you're going to be killed by a cop? Because chances are... If you're focused on all, doing all these things, right, you're focused on building your business, you're focused on getting your skills up, chances are you're not out here participating in activities that are known to attract the attention of the police. Like that little clip I was talking about earlier with Sanaa Lathan and old buddy from Snowfall and that little preview I was watching with the, with, the, with the black kid and his mama walking on the college campus and the cop pulling the gun out. Like how often does that actually happen, man? Like, can, can somebody name me the last time that's ever happened? <laughs> like, in recent history, like, the past 20 years? Like, that, that crap just doesn't happen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, they're, taking these, they're taking these Jim Crow stories and, and trying to make it seem like we're living in 1921. Like, the same things that was happening in antebellum slavery and Reconstruction and Jim Crow are still happening today. No, the hell is not. No, the hell is not. A lot of y'all, a lot of people be making this crap up, but like I say, a lot of these people ain't got nothing really going on in their life because people who got stuff going on, dude, they out here doing what they got to do. They're not out here crying about white folks. They don't give a shit. White people are going to be white people. And black people are gonna be black people. If you got something going on, you know, people are just gonna be people, man. You know what I mean? Like a white person come out here and call, like, look, this is my neighbor's house right here, right? Some white folks up in there. They can come out here and call me the N word right now. As long as they don't step foot on my property, I wouldn't give a shit. I'm not gonna go out there and protest. Why? I'm not gonna go in my house and cry in the corner because they called me the N word. They could stand on their porch right there. That's their that's they property right there. They can stand on their porch right there and start calling me the N-word and, and, and making monkey sounds and all kind of stuff. As long as, they don't crawl, as long as they don't put foot on my property, I don't give a shit. <laughs> they, can have, they can have pictures of Adolf Hitler hanging on their walls and, 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 and nooses hanging from the ceilings right now. I don't give a rat's ass. As long as you don't step on my property, I don't care what you do on yours. You know what I mean? I don't care. All I care about is you cutting that damn grass and paying your HOA fees. That's what I care about. Other than that, don't park your car on the grass. I don't care about nothing else that's going on with these people. Just like I'm pretty sure they don't care about nothing that's going on with me. So as long as I don't go on their property and start messing with their crap, as it should be. Because they got, they got whatever they got going on. I got whatever I got going on. And we just two groups of households with stuff going on as it should be.
So you got to get focused. Get you a goal, get you a skill, get you a hobby, get you some victories, doing whatever it is you're doing. And I'm trying to tell you, you're, gonna, you're just not going to have time to be sitting around here whining and crying about crap. You'll be like, you know what? I could be out here making some money. <clears throat> I could be out here selling me some Black Lives Matter t-shirts and trying to get paid off these Negroes. <laughs> That's what I would be. If I was living up there and I had me a little, I'd be like, you know what? How can I make money off these protesters? I don't support them. I'm about to try to get their damn money. I'd be out there selling water bottles and all kind of shit. Selling a trail mix in case they get hungry. Right, here you go. Another thing too, G, most black Americans don't even know the true history of this country. You had wealthy blacks who owned black slaves, but they don't realize it. Yeah, there was this dude, what was his name? Something Johnson, he's like, I think he's like legally declared to be the first legal slaveholder in America. Was like this black dude named something Johnson. I can't remember what his first name was. Um, now there's there's people who are like, no, that's not true. But listen, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is uh, white folks didn't go into Africa and just start snatching niggas all willy nilly. So. <laughs> Slavery is, uh, is, is just bigger than white folks, you know what I'm saying? But, look, I'm not finna, I'm not, I can't sit around here and get hung up on slavery all day long. You say you pay $200 quarterly? Oh, that's cheaper than my HOA. I pay a hundred, I pay like a hundred, I'm gonna pay like a hundred. Shit, did I pay my HOA this month? Now that I think about it, I don't know if I pay, I think I may have forgot to pay my HOA, shit. I pay like a hundred something each month. I wish I only paid two hundred dollars quarterly. They own them to free them. Stop the cap. Now, now they didn't. Marlo, you don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Anybody that puts a caps, anybody that talks this cap crap, you don't even know what the hell you're talking about. They own them to free them. Get your ass out of here. Here come a, a woe is me, uh, a, a Tariq Nasheed flunky. <laughs> I watch Hidden Colors, man. Tariq Nasheed said they own them to freedom. They they really love them, man. They 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 was, you know, yeah, they, that's what they was doing. Tariq said it. Yeah, yeah. Tariq said it. Yeah. Hidden Colors, man. Hidden Colors. Shut your ass up, nigga. They own them to freedom. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> you see, I, yeah, see, I, see, I, Negroes come here just, just making up crap. They own them to free them. I'm gonna own you so I can free you. <laughs> I'm gonna work you. I'm gonna work you for a few years though before I free you. I'm gonna need to listen, 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 Jimbo. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna own you. I'm gonna eventually free you, but before I free you, I need you to go out into them fields and get the, get the, getting that cotton pick. I'm going to eventually free you. Is I free yet, boss? It's been five years. Nah, we got, we got a couple more years, man. I'm trying to protect you from the white folks. I'm going to own you just so I can free you. I'm trying to prevent you from becoming a slave to the white folks. But I need you to get back out in them fields. We got, about, we got some old cotton to pick. We got some tobacco to go pick. I'm going to own you, though, till I free <laughs> it'd, be like, it'd be like 20 years that went by. Jimbo got gray hairs. Is I free yet, sir? Hey, man, I'm trying to protect you from these white folks, man. I need you to blend in and go pick some more of that tobacco, man. 
I'm going to free you. As soon as, as soon as Jimbo dies. See, Jimbo, you free. I hold you till you're free. You're free now. Go live your best life, Jimbo, in the afterlife. I promise you I was going to own you, and I'm going to free you. I freed you. <laughs> Get your dumbass out of here. Why am I sitting in the dark? Because I can do that. That's why. In Colors 420 says, know your role and shut your mouth, light power. <laughs> anyway, I'm about to go get on these tacos, man. I don't know if my wife put my food in the fridge. It's Taco Tuesday. I gotta go stuff a taco in my mouth. Cause you know I love I love Mexicans, man. I love certain Mexicans, right? I got like this Mexican spot around the corner from me that I go get my Mexican food from. I tell my wife, I'm like, look, if ICE ever come around these people up, I'm fighting for these. I'm fighting for these Mexicans. I'm laying down for them. I'm do everything I can to free these people. Because they be in there whipping up some of the best tacos, some of the best tortas, some of the best fajitas I've ever eaten in my life. I'm, I'm all about the black and brown unity with these Mexicans right here. In the same way with my lawn care guy. He's a Mexican too. I'm like, listen, if y'all ever get jammed up, y'all call me. and I'm going to get the best white lawyer money can buy to get you clowns free. Because... I need y'all whipping them tacos up. I need my lawn looking crispy out in these streets. So I'm, I'm all about, you know, Viva La Mexico with y'all. <laughs> I'm down for the team with y'all. Y'all the only ones, though. I'm down for the team. That's right. I'm protesting all that crap, B. I'm talking about this taco stand so good. I'm like, they got to be illegal. There's no way in the world. These some natural citizens, they got to be illegal. They straight off the, they came straight over the damn river. Whatever the damn river, what's the name of that river down there that separates Mexico and Texas? The Grand, whatever, they, they came straight out of that damn water, man. I don't know what them clowns doing. Them tacos are slapping. I'm laying down, I'm laying down my life for them. I'm going to go protest on behalf of them Mexicans. If they ever come round them up, I need them tacos in my life. Yeah, the Rio Grande, that's what it is. I ain't playing about them Mexicans. Hell is y'all talking about? <clears throat> and they don't be speaking no English. You know that's the good tacos, man. You got to point at the pictures and shit. Like, let me get that picture right there. I don't know what the hell y'all talking about. <laughs> that's, the, that's the legit Mexicans right there. Like, yeah. Y'all just snuck over here yesterday. That's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, I got to go in and get on these tacos, man. So, yo, man, hey, real talk, though. So, I'm going to go get this butter. I got to go find somebody to make me a butter biscuit flag. We raising the, I'm raising the flag of the butter biscuit, y'all. I'm going to let y'all know. As soon as y'all come to my channel, brand new people, y'all going to know it's, we, we, we cooning out over here. We cooning out, not because we want to we wanna become the next Brandon Tatum and have like a million plus subs. No, we cooning out for the simple fact that we're just trying to tell the truth about black society and what we see as a black person. Meaning, 
I don't know black folks that are out there getting killed and beat up and harassed by white people in the cops. I don't know anybody like that, right? The only people that I know that ever have any type of interaction with the cops are niggas that actually did stuff that invited the attention of the police. I don't know people like that, man. Every black person that I know that got an arrest record, they all did the crap that they were accused of doing, and they'll admit to it. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know any cops out here messing with people. He says, cooning doesn't pay? Oh, it pays a lot. Every coon that I know makes more money than pro-blacks. <laughs> Every, there's, only like, there's only like three or four pro-blacks that make money. Tariq, Jason Black, uh, Boyce Watkins, Umar Johnson. I don't know what his finances are looking like, but you got, you got a couple of Negroes. The majority of y'all ain't making no money off this pro-blackness. The majority of y'all still work for white people. Y'all only pro-black on your lunch breaks and when you clock out. The majority of y'all, the majority of y'all ain't making money off of being pro-black, so stop it. It says, for now, till you get your skirt pulled up. Well, I don't have to worry about getting my skirt pulled up because I ain't out here doing stuff to, to, to attract the attention of my skirt getting pulled up. <laughs> I go to work, come home, then my life, pay bills, hang out with my wife and kids. That's, that's what I do. Like, you know, every, every regular productive adult in America does. You know what I mean? You know, it's, you know, stuff adults do. <laughs> adults with responsibilities and goals and aspirations. You know, you're not going to find us out there passing $20, fake $20 bills out. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to find me on camera talking about, I'm not that type of guy. I'm not that type of guy, officer. I'm not that type of guy. You know what I mean? That's just not what, that's just not what happens. <laughs> yeah, I am off code. I'm super off code. I ain't embarrassed. I'm actually proud of it. I'm proud to be off code. I don't want to be on code with a bunch of Negroes who actually believe that the white man is holding them back and they killing them and, and they's terrified and, and I, ain't, I ain't trying to be on code with you clowns. We ain't got nothing in common. I ain't got nothing in common with y'all, man. I don't look for a reason to blame white people and fear white people. So I ain't trying to be on code with y'all. I'm trying to be on code with coons. We're going to come up with the coon commandments around here. I'm trying to be on code with coons. I don't know any coons out there that out there dealing with issues in life. I don't know any of them. Who taught me how to hate myself? My white father taught me how to hate my, my white. My biological father's white, man. So, you know, according to y'all, I am what my father is. So I'm a white man. That's why. <laughs> I hate my, I hate, I hate the Negro in me. <laughs> Damn it. I'm mad. I, I wasn't 100% white. Damn it. So, yeah, super facts. I'm all that, B. I'm a white man. That's why. I'm a, I'm a dark-skinned white man. <laughs> I'm not a light-skinned black. I'm a dark-skinned white man. You must not know. I'm a dark-skinned white man. So that's why I, I say the things I say. Because, you know, look, it's all about, look, life is all about winners and losers, right? Listen, I'm half black, half white, right? I'm not fully black like y'all, even though none of y'all are full black or whatever. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not full black like y'all, right? So here's the thing, right? If life is about winners and losers, 
I might as well roll with the winners. Who's winning? Who's winning out there? Is it white people or black people? I might as well roll with the winners, baby. <laughs> I might as well roll with the winning, the winning side. You know what I'm saying? I'm a dark-skinned white guy who can pass for a Hispanic. You look at me, most people think I'm Spanish. <laughs> so I'm rolling with the winners, baby. I'm rolling with the winners. Why do I choose to only comment on black issues? Why not? Why not? I grew up around y'all. I grew up in the com around the community, in and around the community. As a as a dark skinned white man, I grew up in and around the community. So I'm gonna talk about y'all. That's why, because I'm hoping one day I'm hoping that I can get some of you some of you pro black woe is me's to take your take your little woe is me goggles off. And guess what? I've managed to successfully convert quite a few on this channel. I've had them tell me how they used to be all woe is me down. They started listening to me and they took their woe was me goggles off and now they see things from a different perspective. So I've actually successfully flipped quite a few of y'all. So I feel like I got, I got some more flipping I can do out there in these streets. Shout out to Chris. So you listen to me long enough, baby Jake, you're going to be flipping too. You're going to flip. You're going you gonna to come on this channel in about two years and be like, man, that damn G Dizzle was right. That coon was right. All I had to do was go out there and focus on a goal in my life. And guess what? I ain't see no white people chasing me. <laughs> I ain't see white people chasing me. When I started focusing on a goal, I forgot white people existed. I started focusing on a goal. Next thing I know, I started meeting people that had similar goals to me. White, black, whatever. We all linked up, did some things, got some things popping. Now I'm over here all educated, skilled up, got my own business, got a nice career going. You know, I'm doing things. I ain't out here worried about white people, man. I ain't out here doing stupid crap to attract the police. Police wave at me and shit. So it's going to be like that. Here come Marlon. You're going to get your wake-up call. Here's how the wake-up call works, y'all. The wake-up call, nobody can ever give you a definitive time when the wake-up call works. So check this out. So let's just say a person lives to be like 90 years old, right? And on this, on the, on this person's uh, 90th birthday, this person finally gets his so-called Negro wake-up call, right? He don't wait a whole 90 years, never got the wake-up call, but the day he turned 90, he got his Negro wake-up call. And all of a sudden, Negro's going to come to YouTube in the comments, see, see, you got your wake-up call. You was a nigga. Like, nigga, I'm 90 years old, my nigga. I don't live the whole damn life. <laughs> I'm about to go take a dirt nap. I don't, it's like, it's like, what is this guy talking about? I'm 41. <laughs> I ain't got, I ain't got no wake up calls. And what's the wake up call? What? Somebody going to tell me I'm, I'm not white. I'm like, wait a second. I'm a, I'm, first of all, technically I'm half white. I can claim white. Ain't no law saying I can't say I'm white. Ain't no law on the book saying I can't say I'm white. I can go out there and put white on my damn application right now if I want to. Because biologically, that's what I am. <laughs> I'm half white. Just like I can put black, I can put white. There ain't no law saying I can't do that. <laughs> Says living like a coward. How's living like a coward? Because I'm not running around here pretending to be scared of white. How you going to, listen, listen. How you going to call me a coward, but you're the one scared of white people and cops? I mean, come on, man. What are we talking about here? You're the one scared of white folks and cops, but I'm the coward. 
Make that make sense. You scared of white people. You living like a coward. Coward? Well, you the one crying about white people and cops every day. <laughs> How does that work? You the one scared of the wake-up call. <laughs> Not me. The only wake-up call I get is the my damn alarm clock goes off in the morning reminding me I got to go to work. I hate that wake I'm terrified of that wake-up call. I'm scared I get that. I'm scared my alarm clock going to go off on the weekends, and I'll be thinking it's like a Monday, and it's really like a Saturday. That's the only wake-up call I'm scared of. Mm. Is not scared, I just know my enemy. Yeah, your enemy exists inside of your mind, man. <laughs> know your enemy. You work for your enemy. Shut your ass up. If it wasn't for your enemy, you'd be naked and living under a bridge right now. <sighs> Do I ever get nervous when I see blue and red lights? What the hell I got to get nervous for? I own the vehicles I drive, like they're all paid for and owned. <laughs> My registration up to date. I'm, I'm nervous about the ticket that they're going to give me. I ain't out here fighting. I ain't out here trying to argue and fight with cops. What, what reason do I got to be nervous? They come up to me. They're going to get my license, insurance, and registration. That's it. I ain't going to be in the car trying to position myself on camera all crazy, rolling my window halfway down, reaching around, grabbing stuff all over the place. The hell I got to be nervous for? I'm nervous about how much is this ticket he finna write me if he decides to give me a ticket. How much is it going to cost me? That's the only thing I'm nervous about. That's it. <laughs> That's the only thing I've ever been nervous about. I ain't never been scared. I got pulled over. I was like 21. I was like 22. So 2002, New Year's Eve, I got pulled over twice in one night. And I was slightly, I was drinking a little bit. Didn't even go to jail. Got pulled over. I want to say I was driving home. About 30 minutes later, got pulled over again. <laughs> Didn't even go to jail. I wasn't drunk, but I was kind of buzzed a little bit. But I wasn't nervous about none of that crap. I ain't never been nervous. What I got to be nervous for? I'm not out here doing stupid crap. Only people doing stupid crap get nervous about stuff. Yeah, how many points they going to put on my license? That's right. I'm, I'm nervous about that. I'm nervous about how this is going to affect my insurance. <laughs> is this going to raise my insurance? Like, like, what's going on here? That's the only stuff I'd be nervous about. Like, damn it. I gotta go pay a ticket. This might hit my insurance up. Points is on the license. I ain't never been worried about, oh, Lord, they's going to kill me. Kill me for what? I ain't did shit. Because we don't flee like your ancestors did. Oh, you're talking to somebody else. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Oh, you work for yourself? Oh, good. So you're part of the, the 1.9 million black people who created a job for themselves. So you gonna, so here's what M. Marlowe going to do. I own my own business, man. I'm a black-owned business. Can you hire anybody? If not, you're just a dude who created a job for yourself. 
if I got to run through the numbers again, I don't know if Marlo is new here. So, so let's, let's talk about let's talk about it, Marlo. You're probably going to tell me you're a black-owned business, right? Because you went down there and you filed some paperwork for an LLC. You're probably one of them people who get on Facebook. Man, we need to take our tax money and our stimulus monies and start an LLC, man. And then you, you probably think you're all already smarty. Man, I got to LLC, man. I own my own business. Do you really own your own business or do you just, did you just create a job for yourself? <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a true difference in that. Because there are two million, you know, before, before the pandemic, there were two million black-owned businesses in America before the pandemic hit. So we're just going to say it's two million right now. 1.9 million don't have employees. Only 100,000 of the black-owned businesses actually have employees. And the majority of them probably only have about four employees at max. Everybody else that falls into the 1.9 million category, which is technically me, because I have my own business too, which is technically me as well, we just created a job for ourselves. Because here's the thing, Marlo, do you really have a business or do you have a job? Because if I ask you this, Marlo, if you stop, are you able to remove yourself from your business and, you, and your business still generates money? If not, you don't have a business. You just created a job for yourself. That's all you did. So learn the difference, buddy. Don't come up in here and, and, and try to flex about you own your own business. No, you created a job. I have a job. You have a job. And I guarantee my job will tap dancing for the white man pays more money than the job you created for yourself. Because do you know what the average income of people who create jobs for themselves is? The average income is like thirty-five, forty thousand dollars, bro. I make way more than that. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if you, if you, uh, what'd you say? Let me read the comment. If you work for yourself, whoop de do. You work for you. Created a job for yourself, man. Congratulations. Can your job do it? Can can your can your business? thrive without you being an active part of it like can you just can you just up and go take a vacation for two three weeks and still make the same amount of money <laughs> you know what i'm saying can you do that probably not so get out of here with this crazy talk about you you, you work for yourself good you're part of the 1.9 million black people who created a job for themselves where the average person makes probably about $35,000, $40,000 a year. Except you work harder than somebody who works for somebody else who makes the same money. Good. I'm, I'm proud of you, man. You get a couple tax benefits. I get some of them tax benefits, too. I got an LLC as well. So, yeah. I guess I'm special, too, right? I don't have any employees, either. <laughs> I mean... Grinch says he's smoking on Chauvin. Chauvin. I guess, Grinch. Uh, I hope you're not smoking while you're driving them trucks and, and sitting around here crying about the gynocracy nonstop and defending, and defending your, your bum-ass friend, Angry Man. So I guess that's good for you, Grinch. You need to go give, you need, Grinch, you need to go give Angry Man some of that smoke that you're smoking on so that nigga can calm his nerves and stop acting like he a goddamn 17-year-old kid. That's what you need to do, Grinch. You need to go talk some sense into that clown. <laughs> That's what you need to do. <sighs> I'm a special coward with a YouTube account. Just like you. You got a YouTube account, too, Marlo Moon. 
That's how you're able to comment. You got your YouTube account. The only difference between me and you is I just, I just run my opinion on video. You run your opinions in the comment section. So, so you know, <laughs> you're a special coward too. But like I say, I'm not the one up here pretending like I'm scared of white people and the cops. You are. Knows my enemies. <laughs> right, here we go. Ain't no bitch in my blood. Okay. All right. Okay, Marlon. We all goons and thugs out here in the comment section, bro. It's like just like everybody on YouTube, especially in the black metal sphere. Everybody, everybody makes six figures. Everybody get nothing but bad dime pieces, and we all we all some super goons and thugs who ain't terrified of nothing. We all like that, man. You ain't saying nothing that every other YouTuber, every other person in the comments or on video ain't said, bro. Everybody's like that in black in YouTube. <laughs> everybody's like everybody's a nobody's afraid of nothing. Everybody got everything figured out in life in, in black YouTube, man. You're not special, man. I need you. I need you to come with something more special than that. To make me be like, man, that Marlo show is different. Man, we need to learn from Marlo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, say something original, bro, that we haven't heard a thousand times from everybody in this space. Everybody got everything figured out, Marlo. Just like you, man. Everybody. <laughs> what will solve victim mentality? Easy. Get a hobby, nigga. Get a hobby and get a goal and focus on that and go out there and secure you some victories. That'll fix it right there. That will fix it right there. You go out there, you get focused on something and you secure you some victories and you try to actually uh, uh, just become a, pro a productive human being. That'll fix it right there. That's it. I mean, it's really that simple. Your dad's a millionaire architect. We're all, we all got millionaire dads, man. We all got millionaire fathers, man, that are architects and engineers and astronauts and pilots and all. We, we all do that, Marlo. We all, we all do that, bro. There ain't nothing special. YFN Lewis, he, he's actually a billionaire. You ain't know that? D. West, his dad was, a, his dad was, a, was the president. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, we all come from elite uh, backgrounds with money, man. We all do that, bro. I mean, come on, man. We all, you know what I'm saying? What are you talking about? We all, we all come from success, bro. We all balling. You're just, you're just a, come on, I need you to be more original. You know what I'm saying? My dad, you know what I'm saying? My dad, uh, he, he was a, a submarine pilot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, my dad was my dad was uh, Captain America. Like, shit, what are we talking about? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, his dad's Tom Cruise. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, my dad invented pizza. He invented Hot Pockets. We did all that crap. You, you late to the party. We all come from a family of super accomplished people, man. You know what I mean? Oh, Method Man and Red Man got a versus. Red Man gonna win. I like both of them, but I think Red is better. I, like, I think Red is an overall better artist. Man, your dad's a trillionaire that lives on Mars. I'm telling you, son, we all, 
We Listen, we come on YouTube, we all got it going on in life, man. Every last one of us. Every last one of us. You know what I'm saying? That's why, that's why I be looking at Grinch. I be looking at Grinch's his, his homeboy, Angry Man, funny style. Angry Man got to run to the ATM machine to pull money out the machine, which is funny. I was watching Grandmaster Troll. Grandmaster Troll was like, was like, oh, you said my dad's a troglodyte? But look, my troglodyte dad created this country that you live in, man. My dad's the white man troglodyte, right? You, you, you over here using the white man's cell phone, the white man's internet, <laughs> the white man's YouTube. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm on a win. Listen, I'm on a win. I'm a dark-skinned white man. I'm on the winning side of things, bro. Troglodytes have been winning. <laughs> you, don't see, you don't see troglodytes out there talking about troglodyte lives matter, do you? <laughs> you don't you don't see hashtag TLM out there, do you? Troglodyte lives matter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what are you talking about? Look like, look like troglodytes have, have, have been doing the damn thing out there in these streets, B. You know what I mean? Troglodytes got you terrified. They're they gonna pull you when they pull you over and shit. You know what I mean, like, what is, what is this clown talking about, son? Like, you're not going to sit here and shame me because of my troglodyte white father, even though he died uh, five years ago, but whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, like what, what are we talking about, son? It's like I, it's like I said on my last video, somebody called me a, a house slave. I was like, shit, you damn right. I ain't gonna be sitting in the sun picking cotton, niggas. You, you niggas crazy. I'm gonna be sitting in the house eating butter biscuits. My feet kicked up. Fuck is that? Fuck is y'all niggas talking about? I ain't had no sunscreen back then. I couldn't be in the sun. Be in the house with Miss Sally, learning how to read and shit. Yeah, man. I feel your pain, Marlo. You know what I mean? So you can come over here with all the names you want. It don't phase me, bro. It don't phase me. I'll make you cry out in these streets, bro. I'll make you cry about your existence. You want to get into the roasting game. My, my roast, listen, my roast will make you cry. My roast will question your entire existence. Because I ain't one of these, these light-skinned dudes that's going to run around here on some Michi X type of stuff wishing I was full black. Fuck that, nigga. I ain't that dude. I ain't finna be bowing down to, to dark skin tears. I ain't, I, ain't the, I ain't the one, bro. In case you ain't figured it out by now, I ain't the one. Since I be the light skin bed bug, I don't think there was bed bugs back then. Look, Tariq Nasheed got a whole documentary called Bed Bug, a uh, Buck Breaking coming out. Go look up the covers. It's all dark skin dudes. And then look at all the buck breaking taking place. Lil Nas X, what color is he? Malik Yoba, what, what team is he playing on? Uh, who else? Come on, son. I used to talk about this all the time. Uh, Billy Porter, Team Darkskin leads the charge in bed bucks and buck breaking. So miss me with the I'd be a light-skinned bed buck. History proves you guys are. Tariq Nasheed finna do a whole documentary on you guys getting uh, buck broken. Not, not, not us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I embrace my biracial privileges. Super facts. I get discounts at the store when I go in there. I'll be like, yo, I'm light-skinned. Give me like 50% off. They'll be like, here you go. Like, Hell yeah. Cops pull me over. I got like a light-skinned card I pull out. It says, hey, I'm light-skinned. You got to give me at least, got to give me a warning. I'm light-skinned. They'll be like, oh, shit, you're right. Light-skinned privilege, baby. Super facts. 
they send coupon, they send like light skin coupons to my to my mailbox every week, right? But like all kind of discounts and stuff, all kind of little goodies I get. That's for being light skin, man. I'm telling y'all, y'all missing out in this life, man. Y'all don't know what y'all missing. Y'all don't know what y'all missing. It's all kind of benefits out there. You know what I'm saying? I don't get the Sean King treatment. I don't look white. I look, I look more Hispanic than anything else. So like I say, as soon as I learn how to speak Spanish, it's going to be LG Dizzle out in these streets. I'm going to be walking around with a sombrero on and some cowboy boots and a big-ass belt buckle. And I'm going salsa dancing on you Negroes. What the hell is you talking about? <laughs> I said, man, that's, that's what time it's going to be with me. I'm a, I'm a chameleon out in these streets. the hell out of here. But nah, man, that's how, that's how you're going to solve this uh, woe is me stuff, man. You got you to gotta get focused in life, man. Real talk. You got to get focused in life. Put a, put a, get your skills up. Put a plan of act. Put a goal together. Put a plan of action together to attain your goal and just start going after it. But I'm telling you, once you do that, you're just not going to have time to be sitting around here whining and crying about racism. You're going to be too ingrained into trying to figure out what you need to do to... Uh, Take whatever it is you're working on to the next level so you can uh, reach your goals. I mean, that's, that's how this works in life, man. You got winners and you got losers. Do you want to be a winner or do you want to be a loser? Because America, regardless of all its problems, you got this is like one of the few countries in the world where you actually have an opportunity to go out there and decide your fate as to whether or not you want to be a winner or a loser. And then you, throw, you factor that in with the invention of the smartphone, like I keep telling you guys, I'm a firm believer the smartphone is probably the greatest invention in the last hundred years. I think it's the greatest invention. I think it's better than the Internet because it actually brings the Internet to you in the palm of your hand. And you can use this device for all kinds of stuff, man. All type of information out there. YouTube, second biggest search engine in the world. There's so much more to YouTube than woe is me pro black babble. You can go out there and literally learn entire businesses, industries, get damn near full-blown college classes off of YouTube. You know what I'm saying? I teach uh, tech on, on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? I teach people how to pass IT certification so that they can go get hired and start working in tech. I mean, you can, you can learn anything. Google, Google Community College and YouTube University is what I call it. And it's all brought to you through, your, through the palm of your hands and, your, and via your smartphone. So once you decide what you want to do with your life and get it and start focusing on that, you're not going to have time to be sitting around here whining and pretending to whine and cry about white people and cops all day. Because you're, be, you're just going to be too busy just doing what you do, getting it in life, man. When I was coming up in my 20s in the early 2000s, I was in the Army. I was learning IT. You know, I still go out, party, drink, whatever, but I wouldn't worry about police and white folks back then. I just wasn't even thinking about them, to be honest with you, because in, in between me partying and drinking and then I wasn't doing some stupid crap for the military, I was learning IT. I wouldn't think about it. Listen, I ain't let me tell y'all something, to be honest with you. I really didn't start thinking about white folks and racism to this degree till I came to YouTube. Like, I always knew there were white people around. I always knew there were some racists around. But it never, dude, it's never, I think I got called the N-word once when I was, like, 12 years old. It was by, like, a 
13 year old kid. You know what I'm saying? I don't really, I don't even count that. You know what I mean? But I never really thought about it. It's like I, I just it never it never I went to college after high school. I went I went on a full scholarship. So I wanted, you know, the, the, the white supremacists, you know, somebody somebody decided I was worthy enough to to get a scholarship to go to college. And then, you know, I did the college thing, went into the military, jumping out of airplanes, went overseas twice, well deployed twice. Uh, you know, you know, did some things here and there. You know, white man ain't hold me back. I messed up my credit. That was because of me. It wasn't because of the white man. It was because when I was in college and I ain't had no job, I decided to get a cell phone and I ain't had no damn job to pay it and I messed my credit up. <laughs> and that kind of haunted me for a couple years till I decided to fix it. It wasn't it until wasn't I came to YouTube till I realized just how 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 uh deeply this woe is me crap is because look i've been around pro blacks since like the early 90s right in some capacity i remember like the first encounter i had with a pro black was this dude named ray back in like 1990 i was like 10 he had to have been like 16 17 he came right he came around to the bus stop talking this this racism white supremacy that was like when i first heard the term like what the hell is this guy talking about then I went to an all-black college, Tuskegee University. So we had some hoteps out there on campus. And this was all before the internet, all before social media. So I've been around this crap for like 30 years, right? I've been hearing these, these lessons. I remember when I got in trouble when I was in like the fifth grade. My father made me read Malcolm X's autobiography as a form of punishment. So I've been hip to the pro-black babble for like 30 years now in some capacity. But it really wasn't until I came to social media is when I did. I realized just how deep the woe is me runs in the community. And I really wasn't until I came to YouTube that I, that I truly realized it. Just how deep the woe is me is just ingrained deep off into y'all's melanin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then I look around and you look, I kind of got caught up in it a little bit too with some of the woe is me crap. Like 10 years ago, I ain't gonna front. I was, I was, I was a little... I was somewhat of a woe is me pro-black a little bit, you know what I mean? Until I, I had to snap out of my trance. It's like, what the hell am I doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like okay, every every Negro that I know that gets in trouble with the police is because all these niggas is doing shit. Like, all my uncles, they all, most of them sold dope. You know, the ones on my mother's side of the family. And they all got issues with the law, in and out of prison. Are they strung out on drugs right now? I can't blame the white man for my uncle deciding to smoke rocks and get addicted to that shit. I can't blame the white man because my, my other uncle decided to be a, a crack dealer and spent damn near the entire 90s in and out of prison. You know what I mean? He says, what made me change? What made me change is when, because I used to listen to to Tariq Nasheed a long time ago. Before a lot of y'all got hip to him, I've been knowing about Tariq for like 10 damn years, right? So I've been listening to this dude in some fashion for a hot little minute. But what made me change is when I started realizing how extreme these pro these pro blacks and these social justice warriors were going with their woe is me crap. Like they were going above and beyond to just make up crap to try to blame white folks. Like I remember I had a conversation with this dude named Edmund, right? Edmund he used to be in the army, he used to be in the infantry. And he was a little cuckoo anyway, right? Um, I remember Edmund made World Star, right? Edmund, he's from Los Angeles, so Edmund, he got filmed walking around the streets of, uh, of uh, he had an encounter with the police, right? Something had happened. 
I think the police had did something. He had, he was like this super pro black. So anyways, he decided he gonna hop in the whip. He grabbed his damn AR-15 and he riding up and down, walking up and down the street with his AR-15. He made world star because of this crap, right? And uh, he got his weapon in his hand, but he got it pointed at the ground the entire time. And then the cops come out. I think they shoot him with like a, a rubber bullet or something like that. And anyway, so I knew this dude, right? We used to, I used to talk to this clown all the time. Super pro-black. So I'm having this conversation with this dude some years ago. And he was just like, it's all the white people's fault. White people. Never mind, he used to be in the infantry in the military, right? But anyway, so I say to him, I was like, so Edmund, if a black person puts a gun to another black person's head, pulls the trigger, and blows this dude's brains out, whose fault is it? It's the white man's fault, man. The system made him do that. I was like, at that moment, when I had that conversation with him, I was like, I'm done. I am done. I mean, I, I, I was already getting towards that point, but that pretty much, uh, that, that was it. That was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. I was like, I cannot take this pro-black crap seriously. I can't listen to these niggas. Because they will do anything to go above and beyond to, to, to remove accountability from black folks. No matter what a black person does, they'll, they'll just remove accountability and just throw it on white people. White supremacy. I'm white and I say so. It's like niggas can't, you cannot preach self-accountability amongst black folks, pro-blacks and social justice warriors. So that, that's what made me change and embrace the coon vibes. I was like, every coon that I know, Larry Elder, Jesse Lee Peterson, Tommy Sotomayor, because I didn't used to be a Tommy fan. I, used to, I, I, got, I got hip to Tommy Sotomayor through Tariq Nasheed. That's how I learned about Tommy. Well, no, I think I learned about Tommy a while ago, but I never really paid him attention. But it wasn't until I started listening more to Tariq, and then I started learning about Tommy. And I used to kind of side with Tariq, but then I was like, wait a second. I actually agree with Tommy. I'm like, I don't see how you can sit around here and be blaming white folks when... You know, when Tommy be over here making these videos and everybody be talking about, oh, you talking bad on, you making black society look bad, Tommy. But Tommy's like, yo, I'm not the one recording these damn videos and uploading them to World Star. I'm only reporting on what's already been recorded and uploaded that these people voluntarily chose to do. And I was like, damn, this nigga is right. And then the way he be talking about some of these people, I'm like, yo, I got women like that in my own family that are just like super ultra ratchet and ghetto. I mean, they're my cousins, they're my family, but, yeah, I got my coon wake-up call. That's what it was. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, like I say, I was always kind of uh, 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 an objective person prior to that, but I kind of fell into my trance a little bit due to social media, but I snapped out of it. I was in that trance probably for about a good almost two years, and then I snapped out of it. All right? And so, ever since then, I'm just like, I can't go back to that, because I'm like, I've never been the type of person that blames people for my shortcomings. I've never been that type of person. I've always accepted my shortcomings in life if I got caught or if I failed. Like, I failed. I, if I was doing bad in school, I never blamed anybody but myself. I wasn't doing my work. You know what I'm saying? Or if I, if I lost the fight growing up, it wasn't, you know, it was because I lost. Either because the other kid could outfight me and was bigger than me, I just lost. I, I've never been... I've never been a fan of that crap, blaming other people for crap. Never been a fan of that. It's like, my nigga, own up to your deficiency and, and try to fix it. So that, that's, just, that, that's who I've always been, but I kind of somewhat lost my way for about two years with it, and then I had to snap back when, once I started talking to these pro-blacks more, 
I was like, wow, these people really go above and beyond to blame everything on white people. I'm like, I just can't. I, I just, it doesn't even make any sense to me. And so I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't sit around here pretend to be a pro-black and agree with this bullshit. No, this ain't happening. I can't sit around here and be 40, 41 years old and be acting like my life is just as rough as my grandparents. I, didn't, I wasn't born in Jim Crow. I ain't never seen a colored-only water fountain a day in my life. <laughs> I, ain't never, I ain't never had to hop off the sidewalk when a white person walked past me. I ain't, never had a black, I ain't never had a white person call me boy a day in my life. I ain't never been shot with a water hose. None of that crap. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I grew up like my grandfather did when he was raised in Dothan, Alabama, in the Deep South, under Bull Connor back in the day. I didn't grow up like that. I wasn't raised like that. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that's how my existence is. And then when I look around at every black person that I know that's actually out there being trying to be a productive person working, I don't see them going through any of these issues they cry and complain about. Everybody that I know that goes through these issues that are worried about becoming a hashtag, most of these niggas is doing stuff, man. Most of them. They engage in activities that are known to attract the attention of the police. I ain't selling drugs. I ain't, I mean, ain't doing nothing. I ain't doing shit. So that's, that's why, man. I don't see the value in it. Other than a monetary gain. Because you can make a lot of money with it. You know, if you get popular enough, you can make money. Look at Tariq. He's living good. Living good next to all them white folks. That, that's another thing that, that, that kind of irks me a little bit about. It's like once a pro-black or a social justice warrior, they start making money, they move their asses right around the same people they whine and cry about all day long. Now, look, I'm of the mindset, you, you, wherever you can afford to live is your right. If you can afford to live out there, you can move out there and live your best life. I'm not opposed to it. I'm just not a fan of the optics. I'm not a fan of the message that people put out there, white people coming to get you, but your next door neighbor is Bob. Your next door neighbor is Sally. You're, you're like literally one of a handful of black people in your entire neighborhood. Like BLM. I looked it up where, where that chick bought that house at. She's like, she lives in a town where it's like 1% black people. Look at where Tariq Nasheed live at. He lived down the street from Chris Brown. He lived in that same area that BLM chick lives at. He lived, in, lived out in that same area. I did the video. Go watch my, my BLM Patrice Colors video. I think it's like two or three videos ago. He live in that same damn area. It's like nothing but white folks out there. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the optics, man. I'm not a fan of the message you put out, but your life doesn't reflect the crap you're talking. Like, I ain't saying you gotta be living in the projects in the hood. I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't, I don't want Tariq and his family living around that. I want. I want Tariq to take his his money that he earned. Whether or not I agree with his product is another thing, but you can't say that I don't believe Tariq is hustling people. He, pro he provides a product that people want to buy, and they buy it. So I'm, I'm cool with that, right? But I don't agree with the message behind the product and the messenger. And then you turn around and look at how he lives, and then he turns around and convinces you that white folks is out to get you. But my nigga, you are living a great life compared to the people that you out here convinced that White folks is out to get you every five seconds. It's a race war. It's race soldiers out there. But my nigga, you are surrounded by white folks. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense to me, man. So I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of that crap, man. 
You know what I mean? So that, that's why. That's why I changed. Because it's a bunch of BS. It's all about the money. And y'all keep falling for it every day. Every day. Same thing, man. It's the same playbook over and over again. Everybody's making money off this except for you. You get what? You get to go out there and tear up the streets, pump your fists in the air, maybe go viral on social media because you, you had a, a hot tweet that day or you captured a, a little video. But after it's all said and done, we moved on to the next story. What, what changed for you, man? What changed? <laughs> Like I say, what George Floyd, uh, Derek Chauvin going to jail, that's cool. Like I say, I don't care one way or another. I wasn't a fan of either one. So I wasn't a cheerleader for George. I wasn't a cheerleader for Derek. But you jumping up and down celebrating this, how is this a victory for you? George Floyd's family is worth millions of dollars now. How much is your family worth? George Floyd got three funerals and a gold coffin. His name is spray painted all over T-shirts and walls. How are people going to remember you? You know what I'm saying? George Floyd jumped the line and hit the, hit the ultimate lottery, the, the, the ghetto uh, pro-Blackistan lottery. How are you going to be remembered when you pass away? You know what I mean? <laughs> what, are, what, are, what are you going to have accomplished in your life? I ain't saying George accomplished anything, but you know, technically he did even though he didn't set out to accomplish anything, but he actually technically did. Hopefully the money that, that was raised and they won on the lawsuit, hopefully it will be put to good use to the benefit of his kids and his family so that maybe they can create some generational wealth. Because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen right now. All that money that they won, the, the, the millions, I want to say it's like probably close to like $30, $40 million that his family won. I bet you, I bet you this, I bet you they're going to take that money and they're going to move up out of the hood or wherever the hell that they was living at and relocate to another area that's probably going to be predominantly white folks living around them. And, and they're going to probably have them good police officers out there. You know them good ones where you pick up the phone, you dial 911, the cops be out there in like two seconds bringing you cookies and milk. They're going to be out in one of them communities. How much you want to bet? You know the same communities LeBron James and them live in. Crying about white folks, but you live out there with them good white people. <laughs> How much you want to bet that's how that money is going to be applied, as it should. They should take that money and, and, and move their families into the best areas and send their kids to the best schools and give these kids opportunities that George couldn't provide or refused to provide for them when he was alive. Because I don't want to hear this crap about this man being a good father when you out here, you know, being a junkie. <laughs> but you got kids in various states. And you got his smoking your life away. All right? Hopefully this money that came as an unfortunate event, uh, uh, that came as a response to his death, his untimely death, hopefully this money could be used to actually transform the lives of his family and his kids in a positive, productive way. So that his kids hopefully never have to grow up experiencing that life they can have all the opportunities in the world because the money is there so they can go out there and live and be the best human being that they could possibly be because they have resources at the yin-yang that most of us will probably never get access to. So that's what I hope actually transpires if I had to look for a positive out of this situation is hopefully the family does something with that money, man, to make it last for generations 
and, and give the babies that he created a, a real chance to actually go out there and become somebody in life. That's what I actually hope happens. If I have to find a positive out of all this crap. Yeah, you dig? Yeah, they're not going to be living. Yeah, yeah, Jane, they're not going to be living next door to Brianna in a trap house. I guarantee you that. They're going to be living in them same neighborhoods with them evil white folks, y'all. With the manicured lawns. <laughs> yep, $20 bill. I think George flipped that fake $20 bill into $30, $40 million, y'all. He didn't plan on doing it, but it happened. Now, let's just hope the money gets put to good use and it doesn't get blown on. It, does, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't get wasted. That's what I hope. Anyway, I'm about to, man, this, I'm on, I've been on this damn thing. I'm about to eat my taco. I've been talking about this damn taco for an hour and still ain't ate it yet. It's probably getting too late now. So that, that's that's my thing, man. But that's coon talking. That's coon talk. I'm supposed to be on here talking about, man, we're going to fight the powers, man. We're going to fight the powers. We're going to take their monies. We're going to make some documentaries. We're going to go out here and, and fight the powers. Whatever, big. Niggas fight the power till they make till they start making money, <laughs> and then they start realizing, you know what? Life ain't that bad. I'm making money. You know, I know those people ain't messing with me as much, man. Hmm. Anyway, I'm about to bounce. Shout out to whoever put some money in here. Appreciate the five dollars. Uh, I gotta go. So y'all be safe out there. Do not become part of the zero zero, or the zero point zero zero three percent. You know, try not to do anything to become a part of the zero point zero zero three percent, y'all. Because you know it's real out in the streets, man. It's real out in the streets. We gotta, we get, we really gotta worry about this zero point zero zero three percent, man. It's, it's really real out there. So y'all be safe, man. I don't want to see y'all become the next 0.003% trending hashtag. Y'all be safe. I got to go. Peace.